builder, the master builder. A father was a master builder, contractor, and he uh, had a son that he was going to teach his son how to be a master builder. Have you heard this story? Well, the father decided to send his son to the finest schools money could buy to teach his son how to become a quality builder. And so the son went to the finest school money could buy. They taught him all kinds of methods and principles in regards to how to build a house from the footing to the flooring to the walls to the roofing to the electrical to the plumbing and everything that's included which would be in regards to building a quality house. When it came time for the son to graduate, he graduated from uh, this master school of building and the ultimate test came. His father said, son, uh, I'm going to see, give you this first house to build and let's see how you do. And so the father told the son to build this particular house and uh, the son set out to build the house even though he had been trained from the finest school. He was influenced by some of the subcontractors and some of the workers. They were telling this young man how to cut corners, how to build a cheaper house with cheaper materials and therefore he could get more profit. Instead of being honest, he could, you know, cut corners. And so the young man, in spite of his training and in spite of what he knew to be right, he listened to them and he cut corners and he took shortcuts and the end result was a house, a home that was built, but it wasn't quality. In fact, a strong wind would blow it down. When he finally finished building the house, on the outside you couldn't tell, but the materials were far less expensive and less quality and little did the son know that his daddy came to him at the conclusion of building the house and he said son you've done a good job everything looks good from this outside he said I sure am proud of you he said here son here's the keys to the house is yours What kind of house are you going to build? Our Heavenly Father has given us the keys to this thing called life. Are you going to take shortcuts? Are you going to listen to the people out there and the culture that says, why, you don't have to listen to God. I want to preach today on the subject of sacrifices today, rewards tomorrow. Sacrifices today, payday tomorrow. Oh, listen, beloved, I was uh, up in social circle this week and I ran across this lady, a very nice lady, 76 years old. Her name is Shirley. And Shirley said, Pastor, I just met her for the first time. She said, Pastor, my husband died in military. He was killed on the uh, serving in the United States Army. She said, I had a son that died as well. But she said this to me. She goes to Centennial Baptist Church. She said, Pastor, I don't understand why... Christians aren't going to church these days. I couldn't answer. I said, I don't understand it either. She said, God's been good to me and God has been good to us as a nation. But I just don't understand it. And she said, I've been through a lot, but Jesus 
is the best thing that ever happened to me. I said, I can say yea and amen to that as well. Some gave all, uh, uh, all gave some, but some gave all. We honor their sacrifices. I want to share with you today, sacrifices today, rewards tomorrow. Y'all listen now. I believe that God put this on my heart to share with you today because many of you are discouraged. Many of us are looking around. In fact, God birthed this message on my heart. I was traveling back from Atlanta, Georgia on Monday. I'd been with Brother Ronnie at the hospital up in Kennesaw or Marietta, wherever it's at, north of Atlanta. And uh, finally, when I made it back home about an hour and a half later with the traffic and so forth, I, I went straight over to the Morgan County Hospital and was there and got a telephone call from Brother Jim uh, Daniel, Betty had been put in the hospital over in Newton County, so I made my way over to Newton County after going to Morgan County and uh, spent some time there, and, and little did I know, I'd get a telephone call later that Brother Charlton had fallen and broken his uh, tibia in his right leg, and that he was rushed up to, first of all, uh, Rockdale County Hospital, and then he'd be moved to Atlanta Medical Center, and so I made my way back up to the fun Atlanta. And, uh, and finally, when I got in about midnight on Monday, I began to think about things. I'd spent over the last couple of weeks a lot of time with people, and I'd been listening to a lot of things. And for some reason or another, God put this message on my heart. I began to think, Lord, I know people are asking this question. Maybe somebody you today is asking this question. Why do the righteous seem to suffer? Rusty told me he's taking care of his dad right now. Isn't that right? Rusty, your parents, in particular his dad, I believe it is. And why do the righteous suffer? What, why does it seem like? And you've been asking the same question, I know. You look around and it seems like people who aren't serving God and people who don't really care about God, why it seems like everything's going their way. It seems like they're being blessed. It seems like they're prospering. And, and you say, but pastor, I'm trying to serve God. And you talk about the blessings of God. Why, why, why am I going through all this stuff? I talked with a pastor this week. He told me the very same thing. He said, today people are, are discouraged and God's people, Christians, are going through not only times of persecution, but troubles and trials in your life. How many of you got a trouble or a trial in your life right now that you're going through something? And it was out of that, out of that uh, thought, God led me to this passage and I was so encouraged. And I want you to turn to it today, please. In the book of 1 Timothy chapter 6, in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 6, notice what sacrifice is. Sacrifice, here is the definition, an act of giving up something valued for the sake of something else regarded as more important or worthy. Look, please, in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 6, and as we look to 1 Timothy chapter 6, you'll note that the Apostle Paul is writing to his son in the Lord, namely Timothy, and Timothy has evidently been assigned to this particular local church, namely Ephesus, and there were a number of issues that were going on at the time. And the older man, Paul, is pouring into his younger son in the Lord, Timothy, who has a good report, uh, not only in the church, but out of the church. And I want you to please zero in in verse number 6 of chapter 6. But before you do, look up here just for a moment. I want God to take this message and encourage you and challenge you today and me today. Sacrifices, notice the definition, an act of giving up something valued for the sake of something else regarded as more important or worthy. Here's the key, giving up something. 
What is it that God is uh, putting his finger on your life and saying uh, you could really give up that and for something else that's more important, something else that's more worthy? Are you willing, y'all listen now, are you willing to sacrifice a little bit more for the Lord? I know you say, but brother pastor, I don't know about, you know, I've come to church and all of that and I praise the Lord for that. But wait a minute, First Timothy chapter 6, we're going to find that there are some keys to finding purpose and peace in this life. Many of you are troubled, aren't you? You've had a hard week, it's hot outside, things are going maybe not like you want them to go. How can you find peace? How can we find purpose? I hear you saying, Brother Pastor, all I know is I go to work or I go to school and I come home and I've got the bills to pay and I've got problems at home and I've got issues I'm going through and this isn't working and that isn't working. And if you're not careful, we're not only caught in a trap of discouragement, but wait a minute, from the other side, we're being told all the time, Brother Pastor, uh, and, and, and the world, the culture is saying, it's, uh, it's trying to draw us away from the will of God. You'll understand that more and more in a moment. We're going to see four, four challenging questions that will bring us to understanding our purpose and find peace in a relationship with the Lord Jesus. I'm ready to read. Are you ready to read? 1 Timothy chapter 6. If you would, stand to your feet if you'd like to read with me. 1 Timothy chapter 6, and I began reading in verse 6. This is going to cut across the grain, I confess. But in the light of the sacrifices of so many men and women who made for our country, God help us who named the name of Jesus as soldiers of the cross, as joint heirs with Christ, that we too would sacrifice a little more. Sacrifices today, rewards tomorrow. Sacrifices today, payday tomorrow. The devil doesn't tell you the end result. Look at chapter 6 and verse 6. If you're there, say amen. But godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. You know what that word contentment means? It means I'm satisfied. I'm all right. Uh, and, and it doesn't mean complacent. No, it doesn't mean apathetic. No, it doesn't mean backslidden. No, it doesn't mean lukewarm. No, godliness with contentment is great gain. Keep on reading. Verse 7. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Wow, that's a profound statement. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content, or let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. It's like a riptide. It can pull you away. Beloved, we're all caught in this trap. We're all tempted with the television media and the music industry and the world in general telling us this is, y'all listen, this is what you need to be happy. Things, things, things will make you happy. Pleasure, pleasure, pleasure will make you happy. Brother, we're right in this trap right here. Nothing wrong with that, but you'll talk, I'll talk a little bit more about it. Look at verse number 10. For the love of money, not money, the love of money, not money, but the love of money is the root of all evil, which while they some have coveted after, they've lusted after, they desired to have more, they were, they were motivated by it, they were consumed by it. Mm, oh, listen, they coveted after, look at verse 10, the last part, 
They have erred from the faith. How many people I know today, they can't come to church. Why? They're trying to chase the almighty dollar. I can't hear you. Now, I know this isn't good preaching today, but it's the honest truth. And people today don't have time for God because, and it's not, there's nothing wrong with providing for your family, but, but my soul, when you put money and things before God, there's a problem there. Somebody say amen. It's called idolatry. Hello? But we disguise it. We say, oh, well, I've got. And I know some people have to work on Sunday. I'm not saying nurses and doctors and, and various EMS people and certain ones. But, but I'm saying this. It's, it's not just on Sunday, but money can be consuming to us to keep us away from the will of God. Not only Sunday, but Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Watch this. Keep reading. They've erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. That's verse 10. In other words, there's a lot of pain. We think that this is getting ahead. We think that this is going to make me happy. We think that this is going to fulfill my life. And it's going to leave you empty. Oh, there's pleasure in sin for a season. But if I could just win the lottery. Think about it for a minute. Now, I've got to finish reading. Uh, uh, I'm going to uh, look at verse 11. But thou, but you, O man of God, flee from these things. Run from them. And follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, peace. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life, whereunto thou art called, and hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. I charge, verse 13, I give thee charge in the sight of God, who quicketh all things, and before Christ Jesus, who before Pontius Pilate witnessed a good confession, that thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who only hath immortality, and dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man hath seen nor can see, to whom be glory or honor, rather, and power everlasting. Amen. Father, I know I'm nothing, but I know you're everything. And I know all of us are just bombarded daily with these thoughts, and the flesh, and the world, and the devil, just pulling on us to keep us from loving you, serving you, and really making a difference while we have time here on this earth. And Lord, you know where we're all tempted. You know where we're all tried. And I pray now for breakthroughs today in our heart. You lovingly, Lord, give us grace to do and to see and to follow exactly what you tell us to do today. Help us to be receptive. Help us, Lord, not to fight you off. Help us, Lord, not to be angry, ir irritated, or agitated with your will for us, but help us to comply like a piece of clay in the potter's hand. I thank you for what you've done, what you're doing. I thank you for putting this on my heart, and I trust you now that you get glory as you cleanse me, fill me afresh, and give hearers ears to hear, and when all said and done, we'll thank you, give you glory, because we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Here's where we're going today in the message. There are four, I believe there are four ways that you and I can find purpose and peace in our life. You ready for them? These are thought-provoking questions. I, I'm telling you, it's going to challenge you now. You ready for a challenge today? It's going to encourage you too. Number one, what are you willing, what are you willing, what are you willing to sacrifice that will pay eternal dividends in heaven? What are you willing to sacrifice now? What are you willing to sacrifice now that will pay eternal dividends in heaven? I find that in verse number six. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Number two, not only what are you willing to sacrifice, 
number two. And don't worry about this. I'll bring this up on the screen. You'll get these. Number two. What are you willing to let loose of that you can't take to heaven in order to hold on to what you can take to heaven? What are you willing to let loose of that you can't take to heaven to hold on to what you can take to heaven? I find that in verse 7, 8, 9. And then number 3. What are you willing to run from and what are you willing to run to? I find that in verse 10 and 11. And then finally, number four, what is keeping you from getting ready for Jesus appearing? I find that in verse 14 and 15. Go back to verse number six, number one. The first challenge and the first way I believe we can find peace and purpose in life. What kind of sacrifices, not me, but you, and I'm asking myself, what kind of sacrifices are you willing to make in this life that will pay eternal dividends in heaven? How many believe that when we get to heaven, there will be rewards? Man, that's what I live for. I mean, even if it wasn't rewards in heaven, Jesus has been great to me and glorious to me, but wait a minute, y'all listen to me. This life isn't what it's all about. This is just a sojourner in a land. Oh, but we forget that. Oh, but wait a minute. We're, y'all listen, we're bombarded all the time. You know what we're bombarded by? Who wants to be a millionaire? The price is right. Jeopardy. You know, mega millions, jackpots. Tell me now, we're bombarded all the time with all this quick, rich schemes all the time, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's true. You're caught in the trap just like I am. The world wants you to think all you got to do is have have all these things and that's going to make you happy. You say, but I come to church and I don't hear that. But then I go out in the world and I'm in the world, you know, 40 hours a week plus 168 hours every week and and, you know, I'm only under the Word of God, you know, so much. And even though I'm doing my devotion in the morning, I still have to be in the world. And even though I might listen to Christian radio, I'm still having to deal with this old world system. Brother and sister, y'all see if you agree with me, it can get very, very disheartening and frustrating living in the world but not being of the world because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. I need somebody to help me there. Y'all may have mastered it. You may have a reach to a place where it don't bother you, but I don't believe it. I believe all of us are tempted with these things all the time, and you know you are. And you know what concerns me as a pastor? Uh, almost 30 years now here, you know what concerns me? Is that I see so many good Christians with great potential, and they make one bad decision. Next thing you know, they're out of the will of God, and I know what God wants to do in their life. All it takes, listen, one bad decision, two bad decisions. You know, and, 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 and they don't seem, it's not immoral or ungodly. You know what I'm saying? It's not killing somebody. Hello. It's not murder. It's just satisfying self. Hello. We're caught in the sacrifice. What sacrifice are you willing to make today that is going to pay? I, I got a feeling we don't really believe there's going to be eternal dividends. Maybe that's why more people aren't uh, sacrificing more. To, to the Lord, and maybe that's what it is, or maybe it's just that we're, uh, we're, we're bombarded all the time. Regardless of what it is, Paul said, 
Godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness, that means God-likeness. That means, that means being set apart. That means um, being conformed to the image of godliness. Chapter 6, verse 6, with contentment is great gain. Great gain, contentment. Look, godliness with contentment is great gain. And we brought nothing in this world, and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. You know what, beloved? There's nothing wrong with wanting to, to serve the Lord and, and to be blessed of God. There's nothing wrong with that. Our problem is our attitude toward possessions and things slash money. That's our problem. And so can I suggest to you two things that the Lord put us on my heart? We need less stuff and we need more contentment. Less stuff and more contentment in the Lord. Less stuff. Godliness with contentment is great gain. We need less stuff and more godliness. Can I get an amen? I know you don't want to say amen because it hurts, doesn't it? Because you know you could really be a greater man of God and a greater woman of God, but some choices you're making and I'm making in these earthly lives is keeping us from being the spirit-filled man or woman that God has called us to be. And I'm not saying this to throw rocks at you. I'm telling you, you've got to first diagnose the problem before you get a remedy for the problem. Amen. And so less stuff and more godliness. Wait a minute. Let me give you a test. This is a test. See if you agree with me. How many of you today could say, you know what, Brother Pastor? I've got stuff in my closet that I really don't need and I don't use. I got stuff in my carport that's collecting dust. I don't use it. I won't use it. Man, y'all looking at the world's biggest pack rat right here, okay? Dana says, throw that stuff away. Man, if I don't have it nailed down on the counter, it's going in the trash can. You understand what I'm talking about? And I'm saying, where'd that thing go? I, 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 and, and that's why I've got tools and all these uh, bolts and nuts and things down in the, my study, down, uh, down in the carport area. I'd rather have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Can I get a witness? But wait a minute. The problem is we get a lot of stuff. I want to get personal for a moment. Y'all listen to me. I'm not trying to be ugly at all. I, I'm just preaching to myself. How many of y'all, listen ladies, how many of y'all have got a number of shoes in your closet you never wear, you could give them away? Shoes, clothes, junk, toys, more stuff. We want more stuff, right? You see, this cuts hard, doesn't it? Stuff, toys. Now, now, as we get older, we act like we're not children, but we, be, we buy bigger toys. Bigger toys, more expensive toys. I, I won't go there, but you know what I'm talking about. And, and, and it, it's stuff, stuff, stuff. Now listen to me. There's nothing wrong with being blessed of God, having blessings of God. Hear me. The problem is, is when those things have us. And they control us. I got a boat. I can't go to church. I'm not, I got to go down to the lake, man. I just paid for this thing. I'm paying monthly payments on it. Got a camper. I can't go to church. I'm going. <laughs> one pastor I talked with here recently, I said, how things are going? He said, one Sunday it's up, one Sunday it's down. I said, really? I said, how's it going? He called me and asked to preach revival in July, Brother Ed, over at Providence Baptist Church on a Thursday night. I said, what do you mean, up and down? He said, well, one week they're up in the mountains. Next week they're down in the beach. That's what I mean. And I'm not being critical. I know you're, you're, you're facing these challenges like I am. I'm not trying to, to be, but I'm just saying, 
I'm challenging because that's my role as a pastor. I'm not going to tickle your ears. You know that. I'm going to try to encourage. But, hey, when you stand before God, I want, my goal is to, that you say, Lord, he preached the truth. I knew he loved me, but he still preached the truth. And you don't have to listen. I mean, but, but I'm just doing what God's called me to do, okay? <laughs> and, and I don't do everything just right, but I'm telling you this. You know me by now that I love you. And, and, and there's certain things I battle with. And I know if I'm battling with them, you're battling with them too. More stuff, more stuff, less stuff, more godliness. It reminded me of the two boys. One of them was uh, discontent with everything. Nothing could satisfy him. You know what I'm talking about? Can I say this? Y'all parents, you're going to get mad at me for saying this, but I'm a parent too, okay, so don't forget. Most of our children and grandchildren are spoiled. They got more than they need, hello, and then they want more. I was the same way, you're the same way, we're all spoiled, right? Let's just be honest. And, And it reminded me of a little boy that was discontented, nothing could satisfy him. Another boy, he was contented no matter what he had. One little boy, they said, we're going to put him in a room, we're going to give him all the toys, all the Xbox, all the gadgets and games that he can play he'll be happy and we're going to break him from that discontentment the other boy we're going to put him in a room and we're going to try to break him from being contented all the time no matter what circumstances in he's always contented paul said that i've learned to be content whatever circumstances i'm in that's philippians 4 and verse 11 that is i'm 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 satisfied well the boy they put in the room they looked in the room they gave him all the games all the toys everything you know what he was doing he was sitting in the room pouting in the corner why he was tired of playing with his toys. Isn't that what happens at Christmas time? We go in debt to buy stuff uh, that our children uh, play with for five minutes or whatever, and then they throw it away, they put it in the corner. They're not happy anymore. They want something else, right? That's how it is. Now, now we all know that, and we agree with that probably. And I know there's some that say, oh, bless God, I don't do that. But anyway, uh, and so, and so uh, this old boy was sitting in the corner pouting. They looked in the other room. You know what they put in the other room? The boy that was discontent. Uh, or the boy, rather, that was content. He was, he was an optimist. He wasn't a pessimist. They looked in the room. You know what? They put him in a room, a room with horse manure, stinking horse manure. You know what they saw him doing? He was digging through the manure saying, there's got to be a horse in here somewhere. There's got to be a horse in here somewhere. Hey, look, can you be content with what you have? Godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment. Number one, what are you willing to sacrifice? that will pay eternal dividends. Number two, what do we need to let loose? This is powerful, brother and sister, not because I said it, but it's a principle in the Scripture. What are we willing, number two, to let loose that we can't take to heaven? I said it last week, Helen. I was thinking about it. Uh, when we walked out there after Danny's home going, and, and I think about it from time to time when I'm standing there behind a hearse. I've never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. You ain't, this isn't good English, but you ain't going to take it with you, okay? All them material possessions, you ain't going to take it with you. How many know what I'm talking about? What are you willing to turn loose of that you're not going to take to heaven to hold on to some things you are going to take to heaven? What are you willing to turn loose of? Notice what he said. He said, food and raiment. Look at verse number 7. He said this. Quickly look at this, please. Verse number 7 of 1 Timothy chapter 6. He said, Paul, to Timothy, he said, for we brought nothing into this world, it's certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us therewith be content. Look, godliness with contentment is great gain. We brought nothing into the world, it's certain we're not going to carry anything out. 
Have you ever seen a child bring anything into the world, a baby? No. I saw a baby yesterday, uh, John and Beth Miller, uh, their, uh, John's daddy. They'll be here in the service today, according to what they told me. I hope they'll be here for 11. But uh, their daughter, Holly, just got married to a young man, a very nice young man. They just had a baby. They showed me the little baby. His baby's name is Miles. He's just a couple of months old. <laughs> you know, we brought nothing into this world. Somebody said, we come into this world naked and nasty, and we're going out naked and nasty. And if you've ever, and I'm sorry, that's maybe crude, maybe, you know, a little harsh, but that's the honest truth. If you've ever been with somebody when they died, you've seen them. They don't carry anything with them. If you've ever seen them, put them in a casket, walk by the casket, you know what I'm talking about. They can't take anything with them. No. And, and, and yet we, we, we need to be reminded of this. We brought nothing into the world, and somebody said we come into the world with no teeth, no hair, and no bladder control, and if we live long enough, we're going to go out with no teeth, no hair, and no bladder control. And by the way, everything in between is by the grace of God. It really is. So what are we talking about? We're talking about our attitude. We're talking about being stewards. We're talking about much is given, much is required. God's blessed us. God's blessed us. We're a rich country. We've been blessed beyond measure. Well, well I know many of you give and give. And, and, you know, every once in a while I preach a message like this, somebody get mad and say, Preacher, y'all all talk about money all the time. The only ones that get mad are the ones that aren't giving anything. Hello, y'all get that? People that are giving, they're saying, amen. They know that you can't outgive God. By the way, this isn't just a message about giving. This is about sacrifices. This is about Memorial Day. This is about tomorrow. It's about some who gave their all. What are we sacrificing? A little persecution, maybe somebody talk about us. and uh, I'm not going there, but anyway. Uh, so number, uh, number, what do you need to let loose of in order to hold on? Jim Elliott, that great missionary, said this. It's well worth remembering. You ready? If you're ready, say, I'm ready. No man is a fool to give up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Let me say it again. Jim Elliott died as a martyr with the Orca Indians in South America. Jim Elliott said this. No man is a fool to give up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. And that's this principle. There's stuff we're holding on to. I heard about a man the other day. He was walking down the road, and a $5 hat blew off his head. He went running out the road and got hit by a car and killed for a $5 hat. We're chasing a whole bunch of stuff today that don't amount to nothing. Right? Think about it now. Oh, yeah, amen. Thank you. I get somebody to say preach it. And, and we're all, and I'm not being uh, critical here, but you know, we're all called in this. In America, we're blessed, and we, we're blessed. But, but number three, what do we need to run from, and what do we need to run to? Look what Paul said to Timothy. All I'm doing is reading the Bible. <laughs> First Timothy chapter 6, notice, look over again. And by the way, this isn't just for preachers and missionaries and deacons and Sunday school teachers. It's for every Christian. Hello? Look over here, please. First Timothy chapter 6 and verse number, uh, and I know, by the way, some of us sitting here saying, but Abraham was a wealthy man. I know. Job was a wealthy man. I know. And, and, and the problem is God gives power to get wealth, Deuteronomy 8, 18. The problem is not wealth. Again, the problem is our attitude toward it. Hello? And that's my whole purpose of this. There's nothing wrong with being blessed of God. I, I know some people that are blessed of God. And, man, they've got a lot of wealth, and I rejoice in it. Many of them are generous. Thank God for it. Very generous. One lady comes up to me all the time, 
I just preached her mom's funeral not long ago. I've told you all before. And she says this, preacher, every time I see her, she, she's not a member of church here, but she says, preacher, and she goes to another church uh, in the community. She said, preacher, if I win the lottery and I want to give some to the church, would you take it? I say, the devil's had it long enough, amen. <laughs> anyway, did you hear about the preacher? The wife called the preacher and said, ma'am, uh, uh, the lady called the preacher and said, ma uh, said uh, pastor, my husband doesn't know this. He won $2 million sweepstakes. He's got a heart condition. I'm afraid if I tell him he won $2 million, it'll tip him over the edge. Would you please come by and break the news gently to him? pastor said, sure. He went over to the house. He sat down right across the table from the man. He said, sir, he said, if you found out you won $2 million, what would you do with it? The man looked at the pastor without blinking an eye and said, I'd give half of it to the church. The pastor had a heart attack and died. What are we willing to run from and run to? Look over here in verse number uh, uh, 10. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which by some coveted after, while they've erred from the faith and pierced themselves through uh, with many sorrows. Again, uh, you know, and then look at verse 11. But thou, O man of God, flee from these, but follow after what? Righteousness. What does that word mean? Dikaios is the Greek word. It, it means that holiness, right, right living. Follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience. That word patience is hupomenae. Bear under meekness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. Whereunto thou art called and thou hast professed a good profession before many witnesses. What do we need to run from and what do we need to run to? Yesterday, little did I know, at this commencement service over at Pleasant Grove, uh, yesterday morning, I uh, had the privilege of preaching the commencement service address for the seniors. And uh, after it was over, we had a time of fellowship, and then I was getting ready to go, and a pastor, uh, one of the young men, you may know who I'm talking about, Andrew, I think you do. You know uh, Micah Smith, who just graduated. It was his dad, a uh, real nice man. Um, he came up to me. He's a pastor in Jackson, Georgia. Anyway, he said to me, he said, uh, uh, he said he enjoyed it, et cetera, et cetera. And then he was getting ready to leave. It was blazing hot, as you know, yesterday afternoon. He was sitting in his car, his truck. His AC had gone out on him. And anyway, he, he motioned for me to come up. He and his wife and his family were in this van, no AC. And he wanted me to come up. And I came, drove up beside him. He said, oh, yeah, Pastor, I forgot to tell you. My wife's kinfolk were there this morning, and they're Muslim. I had the privilege of preaching to some Muslims yesterday. And you know what else he said? He said, they called back and said they enjoyed it. <laughs> you don't know who you're influencing. I had no idea there were Muslims in the congregation. Wow. I just said, Lord, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Why? Because at times we feel like failure. God says, run from things. Run to things. Number four, what's keeping you from getting ready for Jesus appearing? Look quickly and I'll be done here in chapter 6 and verse number 14 but thou keep this commandment without spot unrebukable unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ and so I want to tell you something beloved as we think about sacrifices that are worth it look at this the love of money is the root of all evil while some coveted after some are consumed by it now now y'all listen to me I know us men most of us men see if y'all agree men God's called us to be protector, provider, priest in the home, right? And I know, if, if, see if y'all are like me, I, I, 
I, I think that you, I think about bills, and I think about paying off, and I pray a lot about finances, do y'all? I do, do y'all? I do. And I know it's a concern for most men to, one, get out of debt, right? Two, to, to try to get in a financial state where you won't be a slave to, you know, uh, money and so forth and so on, right? That's nothing wrong with that. That's a worthy goal, right? And so, but see if you agree with me, men, there's a fine line there. It's hard to draw the line. A man told me this week, he said, Pastor, honestly, uh, he said to me, he said, I kind of got off track. He said, it's easy to get overbalanced when, when you're in this whole world, you're working all the time, you're paying bills, you want to upgrade on your car or on your house, and it costs to live. Somebody said, money talks, it says goodbye. I agree. My mom and daddy used to teach me, son, money don't grow on trees. How many ever heard that? I've always wondered, though, why the banks, they call them branches. If money don't grow on trees, hello, but, but <laughs> money don't grow on trees. But look, it's our attitude. So some have coveted after. Some, it's, 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 it's an underlying current, and it's hard. It's difficult for me, and I know it's difficult for you to draw the line, isn't it? to serve the Lord, to give him his time, to give him what gifts he's given you. Really? Yeah. Time, talents, and treasure? Yeah. It, it's difficult to draw the line because we got goals. How many of y'all are goal-oriented? Yeah, a lot of men are goal-oriented. A lot of ladies are goal-oriented. We're task-oriented. We, we, we set some goals, short-term goals, long-term goals, right? Nothing wrong with that. But then if we're not careful, we'll do anything to reach those goals, even if it means slipping from the will of God. Not, not murder, not drunkenness and, and, and that, but just, just not giving God what he deserves. Serving him, loving him. I'm not being legalistic about this. I'll be honest with you. If you love the Lord, the Bible says the love of Christ constraineth us. That's my motivating factor. Not a preacher standing up saying, you need to do this, you need to do that. Rather, 2 Corinthians 5.14, the love of Christ motivates us. Seneco is the Greek word. It means it propels us, the love of Christ. Jesus loved me. He sacrificed his all for me. He gave his all for me. What can I do? What can I render to the Lord for all of his benefits? Some of you, God has gifted you greatly. And you know deep down inside, watch this, you know deep down inside you could really do a little more for eternity's sake. Right? All of us. I, I'm, I'm fitting into the same category. We get busy. But anyway, so, so, number, we, so, so where are we at? What sacrifices are we willing to make? The love of money is the root of all evil. Not money, but the love of money. It takes money to live. But flee these things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, patience, meekness. What are you willing to run from today in order to run to? Lord, I can't, I can't go here and I can't do this and I can't go to my neighbor and I can't love my neighbor. and I've just got a lot of stuff going on, man. I've just got a lot of stuff going on and, and I'm busy. And, 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 you know, where's God in your plan? Are you going to include God in your plans? I'll tell you this. The Bible says, and let me see if y'all agree, one day we'll all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. 
what you going to tell God then? What am I going to tell the Lord then? I can get by with it now. I can make excuses. I can make alibis. I can blow off anybody and everybody. I can do what I want to do. But if the Bible's true, and it is, that means one day, according to 2 Corinthians 5.10, so let every one of us appear before the judgment seat of Christ. If that's true, if I believe that Jesus died for me, I've got to believe that too. You know what? I had a deputy, sheriff deputy, call me yesterday all the way down in Florida. He's a deputy in Palakic, Florida, and he said, Pastor, uh, my dad's dead, passed away. He said, you're the only one that came to my mind, and I want to call you and ask you about this, about the Bible. He said, I'm working with somebody today. I'm going to be praying for him. Today is uh, Sunday. He said, I'm going to be working with this guy, and he says he don't believe in heaven. He says it's just a state of mind, and, and he, he believe, don't believe in this. And he said, I don't really know what to believe. What do you think? And so we talked for a solid hour on the phone, praying, and I was giving him scripture about it. I didn't have all the answers. I'm saying this, we're going to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. And then last, what's keeping you from getting ready for the appearing of our Lord? Thou keep the commandment without spot and rebuke unto the epiphany. That word appearing is the word epiphany. That means the appearing of our Lord when he comes again. I believe he's coming again. I met a lady this week. In social circles, she's 72 years old. Here's what she told me. She said, Pastor, I pray every day for the Lord to go ahead and take me home. She said, I'm ready to go. Are you ready to go? Have you made peace with God? (laughs) Have you? I'm ready to go. Are you ready to go? What's keeping you from, what's keeping you and me from being ready for the appearing of our Lord? There's some things that maybe you don't like to think about this subject. I know it's a morbid thought, and like I said last week, Doris Day uh, didn't even make plans for her funeral because she didn't want to think about death. But the Bible says it's appointed to men once to die after this the judgment. Whether you think about it or not, it's going to happen. And, and the Lord is coming back one day. Now, I'm closing with this right here. God's given you some keys to your life. How are you going to build your life? Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word, your will, your way. And Lord, I know I come up short and often don't have the right attitude toward things. And I feel like probably some here today look around and, and Lord, I know some are...